0: I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Jackson Coffrin, who is the Director of the Center for Advanced Spatial Technologies, CAST, at the University of Arkansas, and also in the Department of Geosciences at the University. And we're talking about a lot of the work that Jack does in the field, using lasers to gather data about structures. Uh, Jack, can you tell us how you do that, and what math is involved?
1: Sure, Mike. Uh, there are a, a lot of different systems that are uh, able to collect 3D information about structures and, and objects. Most of them uh, work with lasers, but they don't all have two Cameras work well as two, but we'll talk about the lasers. Some of the systems are time-of-flight systems. They send out a beam of uh, focused light, usually infrared, sometimes green, and uh, detect how long it takes to hit something and return to the sensor. And they do this literally hundreds of thousands of times per second, uh, generating billions of points in some cases across the surface. And so the mathematics are involved in that at, at a fundamental level at that collection stage involves signal processing, where you're trying to read a time series, a pulse return back, and pick out the peak where that beam actually hit something and then returned and you, you sense that. So there's uh, work there. There's obviously some trigonometry to convert all of that angular motion into 3D coordinates. And so a lot of that's done for you and you don't see it. It's built into the instrument, but that's one way to do it. Uh, there are other ways that use phase beams that, that measure phase angles and then use that to convert to distance. But there's a lot. If you're trying to place that on the earth, then you have to know where the sensor is. And so you get into a uh, science called geodesy which is trying to position yourself very precisely on the surface of the earth gps does this usually but there are other ways as well and then of course it's an observation process there's a lot of noise that's involved and so it it can be very noisy so you have to apply filtering techniques to get rid of all of that spurious noise that's in the signal and so um, once you get all of that you end up again with a collection of what we call a, a point cloud uh, that is just a collection of points, 3D coordinates in space, and you have to start working with those at some point as well.
0: So, for example, your team did did this at Machu Picchu. How long does it take on-site, and then how long does it take off-site to get the the beautiful images that you get?
1: Right. Well, it it, it can take a long time. Mostly, it's a case of hurry up and wait in those surveys, where you you set up an instrument. In our case, we'll set up an instrument that looks like a surveyor's total station, uh, but operates by itself on large batteries. Set it up on a tripod. We'll let it scan for anywhere between 5 and 30 minutes, depending on how densely you're sampling the area. And then uh, you have to pick it up and you wait there while you do that. You have to stay out of the way of the beam. And then you pick it up and move it to another location. And you keep doing this. And I think at the Machu Picchu site, which is a rather large site, we had probably 100 or more different setups uh, that collected from different points of view. And so that can take a large amount of time, several days, week or so on a large site. But it really takes less time than the processing. The processing is very difficult because you have to take all of those individual point clouds that are scanned from different locations and merge them all together, typically using least squares, different kinds of optimization techniques to put them all in the same coordinate space. And that can take a lot of time as well. And then uh, once you get all of those in the same coordinate space, the points themselves are really just samples of the surface. So it's like sampling a signal. We have to take those samples and turn them into a surface of some kind. And that, again, is another modeling process where we use either meshes, triangulations of meshes and so on, or we try to fit it to uh, geometric objects like cylinders or planes or what have you. Generally, it takes about two to three times the amount of time to process the data as it does to collect it, although that's getting uh, less and less as as the systems become smarter and smarter.
0: In terms of progress in the field, you would like better processing algorithms?
1: I think we have to have those. I think we're collecting, the machines are getting faster and faster. We went from collecting 50,000 points per second to now 500,000 or more. Uh, And so we're getting more and more and denser and denser data. And this creates a problem on the computers. Uh, Certainly in the field, it's difficult to have a laptop that's able to process uh, that amount of data. And in fact, a lot of the algorithms that are being developed now are so-called out-of-memory algorithms where we stream only the data that we need and triangulate as it streams in, for example, instead of trying to operate on the entire process at once. And that's required some new thinking, new mathematical thinking, different ways of, for example, to do a Delaunay triangulation. We do it only as points are added to the mix. And so it's constantly updating as it goes. It's no longer a a single effort with all the points at once it's done on the fly and so there are alignment processes for example that are working faster and better that using robustly squares mostly to automatically find points that match each other we're borrowing a lot from computer vision uh, where we can match images we can now match point clouds uh, and we use a lot of calculus for example to look at gradients uh, and try to match those gradients against other features uh, or the same gradient in another scene or in another point cloud so that we can do the automatic alignments. And as we get better and better at that, we spend less and less time processing and cleaning.
0: There are a lot of projects on your uh, website, on the CAST website. Is there any one particular one that you would say was the most rewarding, the one that you've done?
1: I think um, I would have to say the one that I witnessed is the one that was the most interesting, and, and it's one of the, the uh, buildings that we scanned was St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And the reason it was so impressive, and we've been, as you pointed out, we've been all over the world, at Machu Picchu and Rome and uh, Jordan and Israel and uh, many different places scanning. But in that circumstance, it was a group of about three researchers and technicians here at CAST who spent about three days scanning the entire interior and exterior of the building. And it's just beautiful to see. It all came together. It's, in most cases, I would say accurate at the centimeter level. Uh, so there's a centimeter level accurate as built of St. Paul's Cathedral. And, of course, it's a beautiful structure inside and out. And as we were scanning, we learned things about the construction. And we learned little idiosyncrasies about the structure itself that uh, really are brought out in the data. It was a lot of work, and, and our group did just a, an outstanding job with it.
0: When you think about archaeology or finding things out about old structures, a lot of times you picture people digging or, you know, they have to destroy right. things in order to get the information. But here, you you know, everything's preserved.
1: Exactly. And uh, and in circumstances of today, when some of our most ancient treasures are at risk from destruction in the Middle East and in other places, uh, that may be the only record that we have of some of those that are left. And so when we scan it, we try to take extra caution. When we scan those objects, we take extra care to make sure we capture all of the detail that we can so we we make sure that we're sampling at the right frequency in order to reconstruct all of the surfaces without losing any detail and uh, it it really is a careful process that can take a long time even on relatively simple objects and so it's becoming a very important component I think of preservation of heritage preservation uh, in today's world.
0: By looking at the structure of the cathedral you were talking about, how could you figure out how it was built? It's not x-ray vision, right?
1: Well, we we don't see through it, no, but what you can see is how the structure has deformed over time. And with that, we, we, we don't really know all of those things, but the structural engineer who was with us would say, for example, can you compute the curvature on this side of the building? and then compute the curvature here and look at the differences of those. And the curvature is hard to measure from the building itself. It's not an easy thing to do. But from the point cloud and the surface that's generated from the point cloud, we use simple calculus to generate both curvatures in every direction. We look at the different ways the building has deformed over time. And from that kind of information, the structural engineer can infer things about the process.
0: Wow, it's pretty amazing. It is, Is there anything you'd like to add?
1: No, only to say that while this has been around for now 10 to 15 years at least, I think that we're just now getting to the point where we're seeing the instruments themselves drop in cost and the processing software that's required and the know-how becoming more and more accessible by a larger number of people. And I think you're going to start seeing a good deal more of this kind of thing around.
0: All right. Well, thanks very much. That's Jack Coffrin, who is the director of the Center for Advanced Spatial Technologies, CAST, at the University of Arkansas. Uh, Jack, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Michael.